guys, hello. Welcome to The Unlikely Accountant. As always, thank you for tuning in. Hope everybody's uh, had a good week and not doing uh, anything too crazy. I know the restaurants and bars have started to open. I hope everybody's enjoying that, but safely, of course. Um, so I'm really excited to have my guest on today because this is quite timely, actually, because if you listen to my last podcast episode, uh, with Elliot, we sort of touched on the whole concept of money and mental health and social media and how social media can have quite a insidious effect on your your mental health. You know, I think we've we've all been there when we're scrolling through Insta or we're scrolling through Facebook and you, you see how other people are living or more importantly, how you think they're living. And you see these, these snapshots and, and the highlight reel, so to speak, and you start comparing yourself to your peers, to celebrities, to strangers. And actually you can then start to beat yourself up and think, well, I don't have those things. My life just isn't as perfect as theirs. And, and, it's, and it's dangerous. And I think when we, take a step back and check in with our rational sides. We know that's silly to compare ourselves to a highlight reel, but sadly we are not rational creatures, we are emotional creatures and our emotions can get the better of us and, and it's dangerous. And I think we've all been there and we can identify with that. But the great news is that my guest today she's also recognized this and she wants to do something about it rather than just weep and wallow uh, in self-pity and and negative self-talk uh, like most of us probably do she wants to to tackle it and actually address this head on so welcome verity hello thank, <laughs> thank, thank you, you for, for having me yeah no welcome i should actually just say i've just absolutely rinsed social media there but actually it's through the power of social social media that i was able to <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, but we can use social media in different ways, can't we? And I absolutely, think, yeah, probably, yeah. We don't probably the word boundaries is the most important thing there, which uh, I think aligns with what you said. We're emotional creatures, and boundaries and social media aren't the easiest things to put together. No, no, they're not. But it is handy to just keep in touch with people that you went to primary school with, like we did. That's crazy. How long ago is that? Like. Oh, gosh. Uh, like over 24 years. Year. Oh, right. Let's not yeah. think about that. Okay. No. <laughs> We're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so, so Verity, tell, tell, tell me and the listeners what you've been doing for the last 24 years since I last saw you in years. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I suppose in a nutshell, I became really interested in like business and marketing in secondary school. And I ended up doing a fashion marketing degree, had a kind of decade-long career in marketing um, really enjoyed it really loved it because it was all about people and understanding people um, but I always said I was an ethical marketer which I look back and I wonder if that's an oxymoron but I realized that <laughs> I realized now people probably judge me for being a marketer whereas I I for myself I don't see marketing as um, kind of manipulation or anything or trying to brainwash I see it as just translating a message so I've, I suppose I've had a slightly different you know marketing journey um, then I became a life and business coach alongside marketing and all this has kind of got me to where I am now being the founder of the authentic data revolution so about seven years ago I had this idea because um, we're from Blackpool and Blackpool yeah. is one of the um, poorest 
parts of the UK, it has lots of socioeconomic issues. Um, there's, you know, if, if, if there's a top rate or a low rate for something, it's normally black people, whether that's teenage pregnancies or um, drug use or whatever it may be. So I think we're both very aware of our roots and where we came from. And I've had the experience of having a career that has given us more opportunities than maybe a typical Blackpool person has and you know I feel very privileged for that and it's allowed me to really try and think about situations in a way that can help people so seven years ago I thought right I want to set up this network where someone like me when I was a teenager can go on and can think right I want to become a doctor and they can look at real life people of how they became a doctor and not only that but these people would say kind of where they were from you know their their kind of ethnic background their age you know because I think the problem is we we look at someone and we think oh wow like they're a doctor and they did this this and this and then we realize that person had parents that funded them through university or something like that and then we lose that hope and faith and if we can see people like us who've achieved these great things then we can get there so that was the original idea and then I just didn't do anything with it like you do. <laughs> um, let it kind of you know planted the seed let it grow and then it was literally on New Year's Day this year I was like right I'm doing it um, so it was I actually bought the domain how did you get your job.com like seven years ago and I've been paying for that and bought tada.org which is the authentic data revolution um yeah and basically expanded it so what I found when I was a coach was clients would come to me and they'd be like I want you to help me with dot 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 and I'd be like great we'd agree to work with each other and then I'd do a bit of research with them and um, like on them on the social media and I'd be like okay great she lives here she's got a lovely house she's got a car children happily married she makes 10 grand a month blah, 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 great and then she'd get on the phone and all of that would either be false to an extent or an exaggeration or just really? not true and or it would be true but she'd just be so unhappy inside and it was just all of a sudden I thought oh my gosh like every, we we know that what we see on social media is filtered we know it but like you say we're we're not rational creatures no. so we see all these beautiful people and lovely things and we think how do why do they have them and I don't not stepping back and thinking okay they may have gone into debt to have that gorgeous house or you know they may have sacrificed their career to have that lovely family or that you know we don't think about that and so we just compare our real life to their real life and mm. that's where the danger is yeah <laughs> so yeah that's where Tada kind of comes in to um, basically get rid of that and help people kind of stop that. Yeah, because it's because uh, we we all do it, you know. And I found myself guilty of this. There was um, a blogger that I stumbled across on Instagram somehow. I don't know how, but you know, was down a rabbit hole one day and was clicking through and stumbled across this this woman. And and I was like, oh, I, I like the way that she she dresses, and that was why I started following her because she had quite a relaxed style, which I quite liked. And then over the years, because I was, you know, following her for, for a couple of years, but I then got so 
invested in this woman's life because she first of all it started with outfits but then it turns into a whole lifestyle and brand piece so then you get to see where she lives and she lives in this gorgeous apartment in New York and then I got to see you know her children who were beautiful and then I started to follow her husband and also then I started following her mother then I started following her two sisters and then I knew where she was going on holiday and all this that and the other and one day after I'd been scrolling through this family tree for god knows how many hours I thought what am I doing why am why am I wasting my precious time ogling after this woman's life and, and subconsciously thinking, oh, I'd quite like a husband that does that for me and I'd quite like beautiful children and I'd, be able, I'd like to be able to dress my daughters the same and I'd like to holiday in the Hamptons and blah, 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 you know, having this self-talk to myself. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. So I went through and unfollowed all, you know, her entire family and, and her um, because I just was like, this is not helpful. And, and what I found was you, there was an element of, Although I did get invested, I was still removed in a way because I didn't know her. She lived in America. It was still that kind of fantasy world where I was, I knew not to directly compare myself to her because she's so far beyond what I could probably achieve. It, it wouldn't make sense to do that. But then when you're comparing yourself to maybe someone who's your own age or who you think has a similar job to you and then seems to have this amazing lifestyle, that's when the real harsh criticism can come in because you think, well, gosh, they're the same age as me and I don't have a five-bedroom house with a swimming pool. I don't have a Range Rover. I don't have 17 Chanel handbags. It's just not helpful, is it? It's just not helpful at all. No. And the age thing is a biggie. I Not so much now, but in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Like Especially if you go on Wikipedia and you look at like someone who's the same age and then you look at all the Grammys and all the whatever and you're like, oh, my Lord, what have I done with my life? Like, yes. I don't own property yet. I have doubt all that. You know, and it's like mm-hmm. horrible to compare. But I think, no, I think it's really important what you say because I think so many of us do that and even though I'm doing this I still do it constantly (laughs) like it's such an ingrained habit and I think something that I've seen more is that people including myself are aiming to be that bit more authentic on their social media reel which is great but what we need to remember is sometimes then when we see someone being showing that like not so good side you know whether that's because they've been crying or whether they're showing their cellulite or their gray hairs Mm. or they talking about their lack of money or whatever it is i think then we're like okay that's the only thing that's wrong with them (laughs) so they've been really authentic and real but that's the only thing that's wrong with them aren't they great and it's like no there's probably so much more but that's the thing that they feel brave enough to share and I think it's brilliant, but I just think we need to remember. And like I say, I've done it. Like, I'm more than happy to show my gray hairs on an Instagram (laughs) post. It doesn't bother me at all. Other women will be mortified. But there's certain things that I have going on in my life that I never want to share on social media. I never want Mm -hmm. to to do that. And and I think this is the whole point of Tada because it's anonymous. I, I don't, I had this conflicting thing where I was like, you know, should we be putting everything on social media and I think the answer Mm -hmm. is no I think there's a time to be vulnerable and obviously Brené Brown I'm sure you're a fan like there's a huge wonderfulness with being vulnerable but you know I think also we're in a an age where privacy is becoming more and more important again and so it's not about blasting on social media like every time you've cried every time you've had an argument with your boyfriend whatever but it's just 
it, it was it was finding a solution to mm. that perfect reel um or the perfect reel with the odd imperfection that still yeah. wasn't the whole story so um yeah no it's 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 definitely something that is just ingrained in us I th- maybe it's our age as well we kind of so Facebook kind of came out when we were at uni. Is that yes. that's about right? It's yeah, like two thousand and five ish, and maybe I mean we've just lived our adult life with social media, haven't we? We have, we have, and and do you know what? I sometimes count my lucky stars that we didn't have social media when we were any younger than at uni. Mm. I got hooked on it at uni, like everyone did. Because I, I lived with a girl that was from America, so she already had it, and she was on it all the time. And I was just like, what, what is this Facebook thing that you're constantly on all the time? Every time I went in a room, she was on it. And then, of course, once it opened up to us, I then joined that club and then was never off it myself. Yeah. If I'd have had it when I was at high school, for example, I mean, that would have just added a whole extra layer of complexity into my adolescence, into my growing up because at least we still had an ounce of privacy and, and, and you know that opportunity to once you went home from school and went home you were actually at home and you were away from everybody um and now that's not the case you know so the kind of the yeah so yeah. gen z that are coming through they don't know life they don't know life without a smartphone for a start mm. they don't know life without data uh, which is quite an interesting place um to be in actually uh so this is probably why it's it's more important than ever in terms of what you're trying to do to do now um so let's just yeah let's just talk about tada then so sort of what is it how is it going to work how's it going to be used what's the concept yeah so it's the the first stage is all about that whole comparison element so i've just had so many women come to me and talk to me about comparison i thought right that's where we're going to start so i looked at where do we compare our lives most like what areas of life do we compare and from that after testing and kind of research i've devised um 44 question ish <laughs> so <laughs> still we're still kind of you know making sure that it that it's um that it's on the mark um, and so that kind of goes through these major things. So first of all, it's the basic questions. So we don't ask your name. We don't ask you for your email. That's all done. On the, your email's given on a separate website and then you're taken through to the survey. So it is 100% anonymous. And the reason for that is a hope that you can be completely honest both with yourself and with with the survey um and there's some questions in there that trigger and people have said i really didn't like answering that questions it made me uncomfortable and the whole point of that is then that maybe those people can become aware that that's a trigger for them and in the future we can then offer some support services for people who have been triggered by some questions but we ask the basics you know like um location just by country age like well year born we ask because you know you we all want to compare with the people the same age as us um we ask um your um you know how how you identify in terms of sexuality how you identify in terms of gender how you identify in terms of your race um so we ask kind of basic questions like that and then we kind of go into fields about money um savings debt property um how much you earn uh we then look at kind of job you know like uh what's your job title that's the only question that you have to type everything else is just multiple choice it's really quick and easy to go through um then we ask questions about kind of body so how much do you weigh which (gasps) i know i know (laughs) that's a trigger question (laughs) i know isn't it 
but yeah, so um, we asked that and, you know, things about uh, mental health, um, exercise, meditation, uh, alcohol, smoking, drug use, um, all the things that you wouldn't really think, right, today I'm going to put all this on Facebook. I'm yeah, going to talk yeah. about. <laughs> um, so, you know, it. I, I think I... I was nervous putting it out there because I thought, God, people are going to be like, what does she want all this for? You know, like, this is so intrusive. And a few people said, be careful, that seems really intrusive. And I'm like, but I think if people realize the, the, the core of it, the main goal is to get data that is anonymous, that enables us to become more sane with the way that we live our lives. People have been really supportive. Like so mm. many people have been like, this has been great. And I think it's really helping people reflect on their own lives. So, mm. so yeah, so, so that's basically it. And then because we're kind of at early stage, and um, the second stage will be that then people can access the data of millions of others. So you will go on and the aim is that the data is beautiful because so much data is so blooming ugly and <laughs> so overwhelming. I mean, I think I'm a fairly intelligent, educated woman. And if I look at government reports on data, even the COVID-19, you know, the, the daily reviews or whatever that they did yeah. all those graphs I was like I can't even read these they're just awful so yeah. I want it to be beautiful user-friendly um, and basically you'll be able to filter it so another big thing that came out of all my research was data can be quite straight white male heavy and I don't think we always ask that question so we just assume that this data represents us whether we're black whether we're queer whether we're poor, whether we're rich, we think that data represents us and actually it may not. Mm -hmm. So I kind of did some research with, you know, market research panels and there is an element of um, kind of segmentation when it comes to um, ethnic minorities and race, but there's barely any when it comes to the, the LGBTQ plus community. Mm -hmm. And so the whole point of this is to make it diverse inclusive mm. and honest and they're like the three pillars of the authentic data revolution mm. so i think when people know that it's like they want to be part of that they want to be and like you say it's it's for us as women in our 30s but i think it's more so for our children like that's mm. how i the more i do this the more i think this is for the next generation because i just am so concerned about mental health in this country mm. um and yeah, so I'm hoping that it will, will help them as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just so fascinated by all of this. I mean, firstly, because I, I work with data for a living. So <laughs> yes, my juice is flowing, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, how sad is that? Um, but, you know, data for the sake of data's sake and, and in itself isn't interesting, but it's what you can learn from it. That's the thing, mm. you know, and I use it from a commercial point of view. Um, but you need decent data in order to perform decent analytics and like you quite rightly say where there are gaps either in gender or ethnicity or you know just just data gaps in general and it's kind of white male unless otherwise stated you're there you're, you're then basically making decisions on incomplete data and that's 
that's dangerous in itself and it's harmful and it's wrong to do that and another reason why this is so timely and interesting for me is i just uh, i joined a book club recently and the book that we are reading is called invisible women by i wrote down the lady's name Carol, caroline criado perez i believe her name is and that's obviously with a, a, a women a, a woman's focus but the whole book is about where there are there are just gaps in data which exclude women and essentially decisions are made on on the data that governments or various bodies have but it's so male focused and therefore it ends up meaning that decisions are made in males favor because they're referring to the data but the data the data is inherently biased and it's not often deliberate but it's just there are gaps so you make uh, decisions on the data that, that you have uh, sort of concept of you, you don't know what you don't know well that's why we need organizations like Tadar to then gather well, what don't we know you know we, we need to gather data from all areas of society and on all you know on all those things that you said which are very personal and seem very personal but how can you draw any sort of you know correlation or guidelines and help to tackle a problem if the data is just not there to start with mm. yeah and no i think invisible women if you've if you listen to this and you haven't read it please read it it's mm. absolutely brilliant one of the the like just a quick little story from there that i find really interesting just so you get kind of understand the vibe of it is in building toilets so when when you say you're opening up Strong yeah, or anywhere like that, a yeah. restaurant bar um and they give you the same space for men and women. And then, you know, as a woman, I have, I have been raised to think of women take ages in the toilet and, oh, aren't we a pain? And because yeah, we're putting on makeup. <laughs> yeah, we're chatting away. We're yeah, putting on makeup. Yeah. And then she just went through why that is just a load of rubbish. And she just basically, in a nutshell, said, you know, men have urinals as well. So there's, they can fit more in because there's toilets and urinals, whereas women have to have toilets. Mm -hmm. um, women are the most likely to go with an elderly person or a child, which obviously takes then double, triple the amount of time. Women have periods. Um, yeah. Other people have periods too, but the people who use women's toilets have periods. And so that means like a quarter of the people in those toilets are probably bleeding and have to change a sandwich towel or a tampon or a moon cup. Yeah. They have to go in the toilet, turn around, undo stuff, sit down. They don't just whip it out like a man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all these little things you think, oh my gosh, all these years I've been telling myself what a bad person you are for taking so long mm. in the toilets yeah because your heart and sinks just, doesn't you when you see yeah. when you see the long queue at the women's and the guys are just flying in and out and you just think oh it's just because <laughs> women are taking ages but when you actually pause and digest all of that it makes you can understand why oh it makes sense let's just give 50 50 space because it's half men completely that seems fair but then when you digest all of that and think oh well no actually you know the 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 footfall in a men's toilet like say is is, is going to be quicker because they just stand at a urinal whip down a zip and they're in and out in a couple of minutes and we don't have that luxury then when you kind of digest that you think oh well actually no it does make more sense then to maybe give a bit more space to women because of all those reasons that you've just outlined yeah if you had either data or a female involved in the planning of toilets then maybe those kind of things will be taken into consideration but if the data's not there because there's a gap because why would there be data on, on toilets um and that's when those decisions are made and then that's why there's a massive queue at the women's uh, toilet and not yeah yeah and i think it's one of my dreams like my future goal to dar is that so at, at the minute obviously like i said every everything's anonymous um my dream will be in however long to 
contact everyone who's um, completed it and say if, if you're interested in being paid for your opinion, then we, you know we're building a kind of market research panel with the hope that we can go to big corporations and say we offer a truly diverse opinion. Like this isn't going to be a full white male straight panel. This is going to be people who are able-bodied, who are disabled, who are black, who are Asian, who are old, who are transgender, whatever, you know, like this is going to be a true diverse panel because there's so many companies out there making errors, you know, like in advertising campaigns and stuff because they just have they've done their research with the wrong people they mm. and they've thought oh the people say this but they've they've not looked at the people that they're speaking to and mm. again it's a huge gap there and it just mm. shocks me but yeah so it's interesting <laughs> yeah no i agree because just on that so it's a bit like yes if a company a company might think that they're doing all the right things by saying we've asked our employees uh you know what they think about x y and z but if all your employees are all of a similar age and, and similar you know to, to one another then you're not yes you're asking your employees but you're not getting a, a a diverse answer and that's important because another example in invisible women is cheryl sandberg when she worked at google that when she was she was pregnant and she was really heavily pregnant and her feet were swollen up and she was like we need pregnant women parking closer to the building because i don't want my swollen feet to have to walk miles from the car park and when she raised that with the senior people immediately they were like oh yeah of course that makes perfect sense but you know, she needed to get pregnant in order to yeah. realize that that was an issue. And it shouldn't, you know, someone shouldn't need to be disadvantaged or feel uncomfortable in some way before a, a change is made. If, you, if you'd have had the data already, somebody would have said, oh, and in the event that we have a pregnant member of staff, mm -hmm. dedicated parking rather than somebody, you know, having to ask for it, which can feel quite uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And so true. And but unfortunately, it is true. Like I lived most of my life as a straight white. Well, I'm bisexual and I knew I was, but I never spoke about it. because <laughs> I just didn't think it was like, oh, I don't know. Anyway, this is, again, societal kind of messing up your head. Um, but I so technically I grew up you know, most of my life, probably till, till, you know, like late 20s as a straight white woman, I didn't realize the privilege that gave me until I was openly queer and became overnight a minority in a, in a sense. So I still have my, my whiteness, which I know is a ridiculous amount of privilege. I still have a British passport, which again is a crazy amount of privilege. But then I have this queerness, which makes me a minority. And it's mm. only through that have I been able to really really feel that just uh, kind of loss at the state of the world sometimes and it mm. it is a shame it took that but it did take that because I just think it's it's really hard to broaden your horizons when you've never had to be a minority in whatever way that may be mm. and so hopefully the point of this data is it can educate and it can educate companies it can educate individuals and, and one of one of the key things with Tadar is that you can filter what you want to see so and this is like you know a future next step but basically you know if if you're kind of um, a black gay man and you just want to look at data about black gay men because that's who you compare yourself to that then you can like you know you can remove anyone who you're never going to be like and and that's the most important thing for me is that you're not just comparing yourself to the mass and not knowing who they are and you know 
80% of them being white male and whatever, like you can choose who you compare yourself to or choose mm. the data you see. Um, so yeah, that just diversity and inclusivity is just so important. Yeah, no, I agree. It's so interesting. So where are you up to on the sort of the whole journey? So you've obviously started this from scratch. Are you doing it all by yourself? Do you have anyone that's helping you or? So I'm doing it all by myself. <laughs> um, I yeah, it's it's funny doing a startup because I've done quite a few businesses before, but a startup is a whole it's a whole new area of things. Um, so obviously there's like you know funding options and things like that but right now I'm, I'm kind of bootstrapping and grassroots and mm -hmm. I've built the um what they call a MPV which is basically like the first model of it so that's all live so it's at tada.org there's just a website and like I say people put in an email address and then you go through to a type form survey so that's all there so and then you know it's an education for me as well like mm -hmm. this is why it's so important for people to complete this at this early stage because I want people to say you've asked that question incorrectly or you've not given that option or and it's great because people are and this is what I need I, I don't know enough about other people about the troubles and challenges they have about what offends them and what doesn't to do this on my own so I built the kind of platform but I genuinely need people's opinions and feedback um, and this I'm so lucky that I have quite a lot of people around the world that I know through random <laughs> parts of my life where I've, I've met people and that's given me you know a really great kind of diverse mix of opinions um so yeah that's where i'm at at the minute and then just each day get you know <laughs> stepping closer yeah. to to getting something more sophisticated but these things take time and i, I want to do it right so yeah, yeah absolutely so it's kind of in the sort of the pilot stage at the moment i guess like yeah yes yeah. yeah. the offering and everything and then didn't you do some crowdfunding yes so um i did crowdfunding well i did it um, and then coronavirus happened <laughs> in the middle of it. Um, I still reached my target and stuff. But it was one of the most probably stressful things I've ever had to do because it was just very, it felt very, um, yeah, uh, off vibe. It was just strange, but people were great and, and they supported me. Um, and so that kind of money has gone into um, the setup of like the website and everything. And then um, I'm currently working with like a branding consultant to get all that right. And um, and just like other bits that the business need to kind of keep it, you know, going for the for the first few months. Um, yeah. And then like the next um, stage is funding, but that world is yeah. a big interesting world mm. um so yeah it's just it's just seeing what's best for the because i think the the other important thing is you know i've spoke to a lot of people and and the thing is once you go to, for venture capitalist funding which is kind of the big money you know the the hundred thousand the million mm. whatever um you you're losing a share of your company and mm. right now i need to make sure that tadar sticks to its core beliefs mm -hmm. And that is too, because it's, it's not a non-for-profit. It is, it is a business and it is a profitable organization, but with a big part of that profit going to causes that need that support. And my concern is getting funding in and losing equity to shareholders is that that will be diluted and mm. people will just want to make money quick. And so 
those core beliefs will be diluted and yeah so mm -hmm. it it's 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 really interesting to kind of talk to people and see see what they want from a business um mm. and just really kind of standing by what i believe it is really mm. yeah no and absolutely you need to find the right partner whose mm. values align with yours and actually a friend of mine who i might get on the podcast at some point in, in the future he's big into sustainability even though he hates that phrase but sustainability in a circular economy and he during lockdown has sort of found himself part of this uh, sort of established this this working group about how we can have more sustainable organizations and a sustainable um, economy but in a way that is still a business like you say but staying true to what they're trying to achieve you know you don't just want a, as you've just described a venture capitalist to, to come in and and expect a massive return because that's not going to work with that ecosystem and what they're trying to do and mm. again, another thing with this you know it would need to be a specific type of, of vc that wants to invest in that space and, and identifies that diversity and inclusion is is something worth investing in um but that's yeah. and that's all part of the journey you know you'll figure it is as, as you go <laughs> along the marketing of it is that the bit that you feel the, the most comfortable with because that's your back oh, i knew you were gonna say this. <laughs> uh, you know what it's it give, give me a client and i'll market them brilliantly myself or my brand or something I'm working on and mm. I just crumble I, oh. I it's really it's like it's your baby mm. and you're like it, yeah it's I have kind of worked through a lot of things with with Tadar and in terms of you know the messaging and things like that um but it I've, what I've realized is it is a complete journey so mm. as much as like I, you know, obviously like real life over real life is kind of a, a bit of a strap line and it's the antidote to social media, how that real and stuff. It's really understanding the person who needs this the most and what is going to catch their eye to contribute. Mm. Um, and that's just a work in progress. So mm. yeah, it's a, it's a real funny thing. I'm basically rubbish at marketing myself. Which, the, the irony of that the irony yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might, might need to outsource it then to somebody that's yeah exactly like your, yeah your, your hype squad <laughs> yeah true true yeah. no yeah, well no I mean I think it's 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 just it's amazing and it's so interesting and it's so needed and I'm kind of excited for you to see see where it goes and and, and what you can achieve because I do think um we all need yeah the antidote to the to the social media highlight reel because it's it's mm. so unhelpful um so just finally then before we just sort of uh, clock off if people are interested where can they find you and where can they find out more yeah so it's just uh tadar t-a-d-a-r.org um and it's just a very simple website so everything's on there if you want to find me on instagram it's i am verity brown um yeah and drop me a message like any feedback any thoughts anything you don't understand like this is all helping me build a really strong platform so i would love to hear from you yeah. and go and fill out the questionnaire as well i take it please yeah, yeah. do do yeah okay <laughs> well that's what i'm going to go and do right now when i uh, hang up this call and i would encourage everybody else to do the same if you're uh, if you're at a computer then yeah go and fill it out and give verity your feedback um yeah thanks so much for coming on that was so interesting thank you thank you and good luck with everything thank you thanks speak to you soon Thanks so much for listening and if you enjoyed that episode please make sure you hit subscribe that seems to be what all the other podcasters ask people to do and also please do give me a follow on instagram i'm on at the unlikely accountant so you can send me any dms with any thoughts or feedback 
Only if it's complimentary, of course. Thanks.